how about watching that television mm -hmm. show I taped yesterday? Welcome back to another fantastic and fabulous episode of our fourth episode of our very cool podcast, Do You Remember Robotech? Featuring me, Shane, and my wonderful and beautiful co-host, Manny. Hi, I'm beautiful Manny. He is. I'm, I'm pretty excited for this episode, as I am basically every episode, until we get to the Clip Show episode. How excited are you to talk for an hour and a half and change? Uh, I didn't sign up for an hour and a half, but we'll see. We'll see what I can do. I, I'm, I'm going to say my excitement level is seven out of ten. That's that's like an IGN two, basically, to go into classic 2003 gamer discourse. I mean, it's no eight point eight, but it'll get you down. Yeah. Were you were you like a fan of uh, what, what's that one? God Hand was that the one that got the notoriously low review score? Uh, I've never played God Hand. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. You're not like an action gamer, right? Not not too much. Uh, no, I'm I'm more of a you know laid back tactical RPG kind of guy. Yeah, I'm getting there in my older age of 26. I'm definitely getting to the the only sort of a action I can deal with is like RPG adjacent action, like in a hit video game, Dirge of Cerberus, Final Fantasy VII story which I've been telling you about privately as to not inform anyone about publicly. And I will continue not to do so other than this brief mention. Dirge just sounds like a dirty word. Like I, just, I don't want to say it. Yeah. Dirge. Yeah. What's, what's your favorite tactical RPG, Manny? Shout it out. Uh, my favorite one is Disgaea 4. Oh. Yeah. The, the, the main character in that game is obsessed. Sadly, it's not too many. He's obsessed with sardines. Hmm. Not tuna. He would have fought Rick Hunter there for that one. <laughs> this is a very good bit of our upcoming episode. Uh, I, I wanted to just kind of bring it out here up front, Manny. Uh, just we haven't talked about this privately or publicly, of course. But uh, to those of us that are not us that do not have to watch Macross or Robotech, what would you right now recommend people do to follow along with the podcast? Uh, do you think people should watch one either uh, or or neither? Uh, right now, as yeah. as the shows stand, I would suggest watching Macross. Uh, if you want to take it easy, relax, watch the dub. It's fine, except for Minvay's Minvay's voice actress. She's uh, struggles a little with with English, but but other than that, she's she's good. Yeah. Sorry uh, if I mentioned can... this on the show. I know I've told you personally, but Minvay's voice actress is the same uh, between the 2006 English dub. And the Japanese version, which is uh, pretty cool. The same lady. Which is 1983, 84, something like that. Macross came the, out in 1985. That's 85, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah, there's, there's a little gap in there. Hmm? And you can hear it in her voice. I'd say, uh, you know, if you're listening along, I may be 
I, you know, Macross so far, great, great show. I mean, I've, I've seen it. It is a, just a great show in general. I think you should watch along if you're, you're able to. Um, I, you know, not that I'm disliking Robotech, but I probably not worth watching both. I think Macross is, is probably superior, but yeah, I'm like maybe like check it out. It's on YouTube for free in quite a few places, you know, like just kind of get to see like, Hey, these are what the voices are like, you know, I'll keep trying to put the very fun lines in the show from now on so that you'll be able to experience some of those at home. I also think that the just the sound work in general is better. Like there's the better mixing, there's better music in in Macross. The at least the one that I'm watching for Robotech is very grainy. The animation it just looks very very grainy. Like I I don't mind some grain in my animation. Uh, you know, I I'm, I'm I'm a veteran in the business here. I love I love me some grain, but they just grain it up way too much there. The Macross is is much cleaner. You know what's a really uh, yeah, agreed. I recently watched the first of those Zeta new trilogy things. Do you know what they do with the grain in those? Uh, what do they do? So in order to try to like stitch together the very new footage and the very old footage, the way that they kind of get around that is they put fake grain on everything, including the new footage so that it both it, like, it doesn't do a good job of making it seem like it's from the same universe, but it is very funny that they try to do it that way. Yeah, like, wh- like, why even try at that point when it looks so different? Yeah, like they can't even get Haman's hair right. Come on, <laughs> I think I think the like the new animation that looks pretty good. It looks good. I'm not saying yeah. it looks it looks bad, but it just doesn't match. That's yeah. the problem. And speaking of things not matching, we have JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and Manny with our great fan favorite segment, standing ovation. This is where the claps will go. Clap, clap. Can't, you can't uh, say this is where the claps will go and then uh, put the claps in later. Uh, I can't. I will. I might have. I might just repeat the clapping over and over again over oh, over the entire this entire conversation. People wonder what are they saying under there under those claps. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I'm <laughs> I'm pretty excited for for this one. I think I, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess, Manny. I'm gonna put it out here on camera on the pod camera that you're not gonna have an issue of this design. I don't know if you'll like it. But I think that you will not be grossed out by it in any capacity. All right, all right. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I should say my my gross outness is more saved to to the human characters. Right, the stands are are <laughs> a little bit more acceptable. This stand is arguably humanoid. So if uh, you could now, both Manny and any audience member looking for the pictures in the show notes, you may now take a look. This is a stand. <laughs> <laughs> this is a stand. It's just like uh like an electrical tower or something. <laughs> like a radio tower. Uh-huh. It's literally an electrical tower. Not even painted. It's just it's got like a power line coming out of it. Where's the line going to? Um just some other electrical facility, I guess. Just like kind of down. It looks like it has some katakana ka on it, so it's making ka 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 sounds. Yeah, I think it's like the sound of the gentleman up there who's making his way down. So yeah, this is a stand called Superfly. A fun little uh, JoJo thing. Uh, people sometimes make a joke about in part three, there's like a stand that is like a very powerful, tiny insect that is called Tower of Grey. And then this stand is like literally a, a big tower of gray, yeah, yes. gray tower that is called Superfly. A little, little vice versa action there. Uh, oh yeah, I almost I keep okay. forgetting my favorite part. 
And that, Manny, I, I want you to tell me what you think this thing does. And also, you better not say it punches people in outer space. Uh, it, well, I don't, it doesn't have any arms, so there's, mm-hmm. I'm pretty safe with that. Yeah. I'm going to say it, uh, it, it sends out some sort of radio waves, like interferes with your head. It, it gives you headaches. It gives you headaches. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, that's a pretty good idea. And so, like, like you think, like, a guy just, like, kind of controls it to, like, send out waves like that? Well, I mean, a guy controls out like a stand, right? That's the whole thing. Well, you know, interesting you mentioned because not the case with this one here. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Let me tell you the ability of Superfly. Uh, Superfly is bound to a transmission tower with the ability to trap those inside of it. If two people are inside, the first one to leave is free to go. If a last person attempts to escape, they will start to become steel and turn into the tower. So that includes like the user. So basically, just like a guy stuck in a tower. Uh, that is, that I. <laughs> I can't think uh, of uh, like a practical application in in combat. Okay, I'm not I'm not done yet. I'm not. That's just the okay. first part of it. So, okay. um, like, so in in the story, the guy is trapped inside of it, and he's like trying to trick the main characters into into like replacing him and being trapped instead. But the the other part of it, Superfly, additionally also absorbs and reflects any damage done to itself. If attacked anywhere, the tower absorbs and redirects the energy of the aggression back to the direction it came from. Uh, I guess that that's kind of transmission tower E. Yeah. A little bit. So let me ask you a question. What if, so there's two people inside, the person that's been in there the longest can leave once someone comes in, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily the, the longest, just the, 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 unless that's what you're saying and I'm misunderstanding, yes. but the last person uh, who the is last person inside has. can't leave. Yes. Yes. So, so. What happens if like that person leaves and there's just one person left inside? Can can are they stuck inside? Yeah. Now, now can they walk around? Like if if they walk around downtown, does the tower move with them? Nope. Or are they stuck in that spot? They're stuck in that tower. Can he can he turn off? Like can he make the tower disappear? Nope. He's he he's like not in control of this ability whatsoever. It is just so, a giant shitty tower that has him trapped, and he. I, I thought about inputting another image here that like shows like the guy's life inside of it, where he, he like has a That's bunch of like, cables and pulleys. Like, is this is this this guy's life? He just lives in that tower. Yeah, it, it is this guy's wife. Let me. Uh, <laughs> is this guy's wife? <laughs> I might as well be. There's an image here, which I will of course also put in the show notes uh, that will describe a little bit more. Uh, I'm think I'm I think I'm changing my mind on this. I'm. I'm I thought this tower was fine, but I'm just not liking it. Like if the guy is stuck inside for his whole life, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. He's a man in a bubble, but it, instead of a bubble, it's a dumbass tower. Okay, I sent you the the picture. So you can see here, this is like you know, obviously in Japanese, but you can kind of get the gist. Wow, he's got a thing for collecting rainwater, like filtering yeah. it out. Uh huh. He's drying out some fish, but where did he get the fish from? Yeah, I'm not not sure. Electrical like, fish? Who's who's bringing him all this stuff? When when did this stand power turn on? Like when he was born? That's a good question. I want more info. So I think it is like they they say it is based on his want for like a small self sufficient life, uh, which is actually like the the end of the fight after he tries to trap people in. He's like, you know what? Actually, I just realized I really like it in here, so I'm gonna stay and be chill. Yeah, on one of the levels, he's got like a recliner there. He's just chilling. Yeah. Um, so that's that's Superfly. What's overall? What do you think of the stand? I'm gonna say not a fan. I'm, you know what? I'm gonna say not a stand. It's not a stand. <laughs> you can't you can't say that. I can. 
I just did. Stands could be anything. Stands don't have to be like a little human ghost that punches you into space. Stands can be a tower. Stands can be like a plankton. Uh, animals can have stands. There, there's a whole wide world, and, and you're going to see some other weird ones. But I thought this one was was pretty relevant, you know, because it's like uh, traps you in steel. Words have meaning. Okay, mm-hmm. this does not fit with the concept of stands as I know it, and I only know it as you described it to me. Doesn't fit. Nope, not a stand. I feel like you're maybe the person who dislikes JoJo the most, who also is intensely focused on gatekeeping it. Uh, you know what? I'll take that title. That's me. <laughs> All right. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, another great segment of uh, Standing Ovation. Thanks again, Manny. Now, Manny, you have a segment for me. Do you not? Uh, I mean, you had a segment for me to have a segment for you, technically. Uh, that's That's the way I like it. It's like giving a friend some money so that they could buy you a gift. <laughs> so I'm supposed to read information about the Robotech voice actors. So that is what I've been compelled to do. Are you doing just the Robotech one or the Macross one too? For today, I'm just going to do Robotech one because uh, we won't have enough to do one little bit for each episode for how many? How many? 30 something? 35? Yeah, we won't have enough. We'll run out. We got to stretch this out. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Tell me about this Robotech person. So let me tell you about Melanie McQueen, voice actor for one Lisa Hayes. Is it Commander Lisa Hayes? What is it? What is her rank? I think she's Commander. Yeah, because I know Global calls uh, the others officers, but I think he calls her Commander. Anyway. Yeah. Melanie McQueen, usually credited uh, in her voice roles as Eileen Leslie. She started voice acting in her in the early 80s. Snagging, you know, small parts in anime dubs here and there. She got her start with Robotech, really. But she's also done small roles in Miyazaki films, including My Neighbor Totoro and uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. Small bit roles, like I could name the name, but you wouldn't know. She's done guest roles in, in like Cowboy Bebop. She was a nun in one episode of Cowboy Bebop. She was a character named Kate in, in Soul Bianca of the Legacy, which is an anime that I've seen. And I think nobody's like nobody ever else talks about. I've never heard of it. Sci-fi, Girls in a Spaceship. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much all you need to know. Uh, she's also had some live action parts in shows such as Sister, Sister. Do you remember Sister, Sister? Is that the Whoopi Goldberg uh, No. No. This is a, a sitcom with uh, two twins, uh, Tia and Tamara. Uh, I, I remember I watched it a lot because it came on right before the standalone Pinky and the Brain animated show. Is that the sequel to Standalone Complex? <laughs> Yes, that is the sequel to Standalone Complex. Very, very cyberpunk uh, pinky. She had one guest role in Buffy. I think she played a teacher. Manny, that was a wonderful segment, which you just did. However, I must correct you with my nerd power and say that you left out a very important role, that of the representative, the mascot, you might say, for Lady Luck's Virginia Lottery, which she uh, played the titular Lady Luck in during role over 25 freaking years. Whoa, 25 years. That's a lot of years. That is one less year that I was alive for. Go to hell. Yeah, sorry. Um, and I've uh, collected a delightful little commercial for us to watch uh, that will hopefully play well over the audio format, which you and the audience will listen to right now. Do I know you? Nice one. Hey, you're Lady Luck, it's aren't like you? diner. Let me run a couple of numbers, but She's got a wand. 19. Address of my houseboat. 2. 
as in me and you. You mind? Check! So what are the chances of us getting together Saturday night? About one in seven million. Pick the correct six numbers and win a million dollars or more. <laughs> no, I was going to pay for that. Wow. That's a good gag. That's a good, that's a good, I'm not interested. I'm about one in seven million. I'm going to use that. Next time I'm getting hit on. It is pretty funny that like a lottery commercial uses a joke about how unlikely it is to win the lottery in it. I mean, you're you're supposed to know that, right? I mean, like, uh, okay. But like a cigarette commercial wouldn't have like a commercial you know, that they are like legally obligated to say how bad it is for you. You wouldn't have like, oh man, I love getting lung cancer. Uh, I think in some countries they are, they are legally obligated to tell you. No, no, I I know I'm, but I'm saying like, that wasn't a legal obligation thing in the lottery. That was like a part of trying to sell it to you, but it's also a good gag. So it's worth it. Yeah. 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 I I agree. You know, for, for our media. And I guess, uh, you know, us, us progressive types might go as far as to, to bemoan, uh, Melanie McQueen for participating in a, an evil organization like a, a lottery. Um, I don't know, Manny, you bought lottery tickets. That's dumb. Shouldn't do that. Look, man, it was $1.5 billion. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter, but I just wanted to be part of the zeitgeist of it. Okay. How, did did you get zeitgeisted? Did you feel uh, I got two numbers out of seven. <laughs> Did that give you enough endorphins to justify your purchase? Uh yes. Give gave me a a quarter chub. Quarter chub. If if you were out there in the audience listening to this, heard that commercial, heard us talking and think, wow, I should really get into lottery. Well, don't do it. Uh, unless but if, if you do do it and you win, you have to give us a lot of money. Mostly me, but you can give us both some money. Uh yeah, I could use a couple hundred thou. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get slightly better microphones for you. Uh, I'm good enough, you know. the 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 voice is doing all the carrying here, not not the microphone. It's very true. Anyhow, the last thing I want to say about Melanie McQueen is that recently I listened to a podcast. I'm not going to put the quote in here to listen to because it's just like another podcast interviewing her, and I think that's just kind of kind of lame. Uh, but a delightful little story, um, maybe stretching the use of the word delightful to its limits here. But Melanie McQueen once went to a convention where there is someone dressed as her character, Lisa, that just kept following her around and, quote, staring at her longingly for the entirety of the convention. Oh, no, Melanie. Yeah. Uh, Like, nothing happens. She's just like, she apparently just like minding, you know, not minding her own business, but like not doing anything, you know, like aggressively bad and weird. Just, you know, normal bad and weird. Yeah. Just a young lady sitting down, looking exactly like her character, staring longingly at her for multiple hours at a convention. I wonder how, how like, was was she wearing a wig? How was the hair curled at the end? Uh, that's, that's a good question. I don't know. That's, that's what I want to know. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm just glad to have been able to think about Sister Sister again. That was a fun show. Really? Yes. Good times. Wow. Do you think Sister Sister would be a good Esekai? Uh... I have no what? You're throwing me <laughs> off with this question. I, I've since since last episode I've read more Isekai. I, I was okay. still not expecting this question. Uh okay, we're 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 back. The power of Manny Isekai Corner caused a small tactical outage, but we are back and we are brave and we will fight against people who are trying to keep us down. Anyway, yeah, let's uh let's let's get on with our anime, guys. Wow, oh. anime and cartoons. 
we're going to do a fun little summary. I'm going to read Manny's. Oh, uh, yeah. The, this was a, a little long one. I put more detail in there than I should have, but uh, good luck. All right. I'm right here. Episode four of SDF Macross. Lynn Minmay. On the chaotic SDF-1 bridge, Big Bruno barks off orders to prioritize bringing in people from the city shelters, then shifts his focus to the aircraft carriers flown down space, their crews most certainly dead. He orders their workships to bring the carriers in to dock with the SDF-1 and then pick up all the debris floating in space to put it to good use. In the depths of this big-ass spaceship, we catch up with Hikaru and Minmei. Looks like the communicator on Hikaru's racer is busted. So their only option is to explore the area to try and find some help. We get our only peek at Fokker for this episode. He's trying to get the crew to look for his Kohai, but they kind of have a lot on their plates right now. No deal. Back with Min Maru, they're both starting to look pretty raggedy, but they find a big, nice open room with the first light they've seen in a while and a great big window with a city block worth of junk and a great big airlock for the giant aliens Hikaru saw in episode one. Min Mei is thirsty, so let's get her some water. They break some pipes they found while exploring, and the water situation is solved. They even share a cute moment, letting the water rain down on them. Min Mei wants to shower, so it's time for a car to get a clue and make like a banana. We got a shot of Min Mei's ass in the shower, which probably won't be in the Robotech episode. I'll take a little stop there and uh, say it's a little bit of an interesting situation with that butt. So they've uh, uh, they do have that butt in Robotech nowadays. If you go on and you legally by Robotech, you will see that butt, and that's because they added it back in in the DVD version, uh, but in the original airing release and also the VHS release, uh, they have a nice, tastefully edited cut away from that butt. So but the dialogue, uh, like, they they still did the dialogue for that scene, but they just um, cut away from it, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean the scene's there. It's, yes. it's, just, it's just literally just the one shot with the butt is that we don't see in, in the right. VHS copy. Uh, anyway, they start munching on Hikaru's fuel rations. Let's hope they make those rations last. Day seven of their ordeal, and they're out of food and no closer to finding any help. This must have made Hikaru pretty nutty, because he suggests going out to space with just his pilot suit and helmet. Minmei is giving him doubtful eyes until they spot a freaking giant tuna just hanging out of the window from earlier. I don't know why I almost read that in, like, Peter Griffin voice. <laughs> Lois, there's a freaking giant tuna out there. That's that's a terrible <laughs> Peter Griffin. That's that's worse than your Picard. It would have been worse if I did a really good Peter Griffin. That was a thing. You just got to hold your nose. You got to make it real nasally. You, you want to try? No. <laughs> um, uh, Hikar uses the power of math and momentum to snag himself the tuna, but the airlock severs its delicious body. They're stuck with a not-so-delicious head, but they make a great big fish head soup anyway. Hey, it turns out the ship has an officer's lounge. Misa and Hayase are chatting about the refugee camp being built. Wait, no, Misa and Claudia. Also. Misa and Claudia. You're right. Okay. It is. Yeah, you just said the same the same name twice. <laughs> She's talking yeah. to herself. Um, Misa and Claudia are chatting about the refugee camp being built. That lounge sure is nice, though. Day 12, Hikaru is telling Minmei about how Fokker Senpai likes to scare women with dangerous flying, so they'll sleep with him. Oh, uh, Gross. Minmei changes the subject by dropping some hot rhymes about Cinderella and then tells Hikaru her dream of being a bride. But she's starting to lose hope after being stuck with a giant tuna head for a week. Hikaru throws her a bone, not a tuna bone, and asks if they should hold a wedding ceremony right then and there. But that tuna must smell real bad. 
and she demands that they throw themselves in his face instead. She just can't live like this. He comforts her and she calms down and goes in for a great big smooch. But right before they kiss, Hikaru is kiss blocked by a missile crashing through the ceiling. Wacky music starts playing and they are rescued by the mayor and his crew. Hey, it turns out they just brought the whole town inside the ship. Hikaru is still in disbelief at being rescued and at Minmay being all smiles, totally forgetting about their interrupted kiss and having a fun family reunion. Sucks to suck, Hikaru. Right, good summary. Long. Uh, yeah, too long. I could have cut out like a third of it or something. But, you know, there's some parts that I wanted to keep. I really wanted, I really, really drove home the point with that, that tuna head. Yeah. Do you like my little fishbone joke I added in there? Uh, yes. Uh, I considered it, but I was like, <laughs> no, I'm better than a fishbone joke here. I'm above a fishbone. Yeah. Uh, this, this episode's fun. A lot of fun moments. The fish stuff, so fucking funny. Seeing that giant <laughs> fish out there. Just just a good laugh. Uh, like, like the way it was outside the window, like it was swimming. Like it, it wasn't like floating in a coming in, you know, from the top of the window down. It wasn't at an angle. It was perfect straight fish. Do they explain how that fish gets big? Uh, I think tunas are just big. Tunas are not that big. Maybe not that that big, but tunas are big. Tunas are not human. Are tunas human sized? Are they that uh, big? I'm I'm looking up a picture of a tuna right now. Welcome back to Tuna Talk, your number one podcast about all things that goes to Sheem in the night. Okay, no man, tunas are that big. Oh, really? Yeah. Show me, give me, give me that Tuna um, Talk picture. Give me that big pic. It's going to you right now. All right. Live reaction to this picture of a tuna. Tuna big. Um, tunas are human size big. That tuna we saw was like almost like Zentradi size big. Yeah, yeah, that was like right. twice as big as this tuna, but that's still big. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's it's like two or three times bigger than a human. But yeah, fun fact. Tunas are real big. Uh, human-sized tuna caught, and it weighs 620 pounds. Wow. Wild. Do, do, you, like, uh, do you like tuna, Manny? Uh, I like canned tuna. Uh, sometimes I'll make rice balls, onigiri, because mm. mm. uh, I'm a weeb, uh, and I'll put a little, a little bit of a little smidge of, of tuna on there. I love rice balls. And they taste good. Yeah. Uh yeah, I like I like tuna that way too. Like it's sushi or in or in rice balls. Um I'm I'm fine with like tuna just like kind of dip into as well, put on the cracker, but it's not my favorite. Uh that that's the quick snack if you need it, if you, if yeah. you don't have time for anything else. Yep. And I, I think I think tuna talk has potential. I think this is gonna be our, our next new segment. Oh yeah. One <laughs> one let's say ten minutes of tuna talk every week. <laughs> of uh, we either do the isekai corner or the tuna talk or maybe both depending on the isekai it's probably uh, one yeah yeah i can get I, i've got some sources for you okay Oof, yeah let's go on to my summary okay so i'm looking at this document here titled uh shane's robotech summaries yeah you have a different uh, name for for this one like for real like so they've kind of been different names because they're different they've been spaced like a one word crunched up into two but finally robotech episode four uh the long wait it's funny because it's probably the most similar episode we've had yet. Yeah, I thought last week's was most similar, but wow, man, this one. <laughs> the bridge is in disarray. Henry bemoans his stupidity and makes the call to focus on salvaging as much as they can from the aircraft carriers as well as from the island below. Later on, we find out we will find out exactly what this means, and it'll be very funny. Uh, it was funny. Uh, spoilers, it's funny. <laughs> Meanwhile, somewhere in the bowels of the ship, did I use? No, I used deaths of the ship, right? Somewhere in the bowels of the ship, yeah, Rick and Minmay are busy being lost. There's no way to communicate with the rest of the ship. Supplies are low, and there's no apparent way to escape. 
On the plus side, they do get up to a number of charming misadventures, including a tastefully edited anime shower in gross, cooling ship water. A horde of mice briefly trick Minmei into thinking Rick is a creep. Rick tries to retrieve a giant tuna, but gets mostly just the head of it. He just holds his breath out there like, what? What? <laughs> I don't understand this. It's so funny. I don't uh, understand that. Uh, to to elaborate briefly for the audience, uh, they, there's, there's a whole argument they have uh, between Rick and Minmei where Rick is just like, you know what? I don't really need a spacesuit. I have this. This helmet is pretty tight. I'll just go into space and kind of wrap some bandages around. I'll be fine. Uh, and that helmet is not tight. No, like it, it covers his eyes. He just wraps like a, a something around his face, <laughs> his mouth, his mouth, and like it's literally just the pilot suit he was wearing. Yeah, it's not like anyway. Other parts of the misadventures, Minmay sings, unfortunately, and finally a fake wedding. The bridge gets up to much more mundane uh, misadventures. For example, Henry has another certified Chad moment when he tells Fokker to shut up about finding Rick. Lisa and Claudia share a short-lived coffee break uh, with cool branded SDF1 coffee cups. Cool. Uh, Lisa and Claudia share a restaurant break where they reveal that they've been rebuilding neighborhoods. Like, metaphorically? Uh, I don't know. I don't know I don't know what you're trying to say here. Uh, I'll, I'll read it if you're incapable. Oh, like metaphorically, you, the audience, thinks? Be like that. Uh, so like, like you, not, the I'm audience, not... will, will be thinking that it's a metaphor, but it's actually not. Is a joke there? Oh, I've never heard the metaphor of rebuilding neighborhoods, but I'm going to go with with what you. I'm just going to go with flow. Maybe, here. maybe like figuratively is a word I meant. Oh, like figuratively, you the audience thinks. Maybe, maybe. Okay, uh, just be ashamed of your words and deeds. <laughs> uh, these two plot lines come to an exciting convergence at the end, as Rick and Minmay's Catholic wedding kiss is interrupted by the ceiling opening up, rescuing the two lovebirds. It's revealed that uh, over the span of twelve days, they nearly. Perf- perfectly recreated the entire city inside of Macross building by building. They're literally like, I don't understand how those roads are, <laughs> are like not cracked apart completely. They apparently just literally ripped every building off its hinges. Uh, I don't know if buildings have hinges <laughs> and put it inside the ship. The theoretical Macross igloo short about the team in charge of salvaging just got a whole lot more exciting. That's uh, yeah. With bad CG. I would love that. I would love that. So cool. Anyway, the last bit of the episode has Rick collapsing over a combination of marital blue balls, exhaustion, hunger, and confusion over why Minmay is acting like they weren't just trapped under the ship's hull for two weeks. Like, she's totally fine. Yeah, it's very funny, that ending. Uh, Rick is just like, why Why doesn't she want to kiss me anymore that she's found her, her family? I think maybe one of the less weird things Minmay does over the course of this episode. She uh, Well, Macross and Minmay wanted to jump out the ship. <laughs> She wanted Romeo and Juliet each other. Yeah, that that was a lot. We'll we'll, we'll get back to that, and also your opinions on red flags. But uh, first, we'll we'll kind of go broadly. Uh, what did you think of these two episodes? Not much to them, but they were fun. Uh, that's my my brief summary. Yeah, I thought these were a lot of fun too. Uh, very similar in, in in parts. Yeah, they they but... really they really did a lot with the little bit they had to work with uh, that the characters did. Yeah. It really worked for me. The tuna moment, outrageously fun. I think the character relationships between Hikaru and Minmei were very strong this episode too. And it really like lays on those romance vibes. I, I do realize that having like as seen the, the series, I think I was listening actually to uh, GGP's coverage of the first two Macross things where I think Emma says something like, yeah, Hikaru and Minmei seem like they could be like fun friends, but it's probably going to be a romance 
And I probably robbed you of that by bringing up romance so early. But, you know, I only robbed you that for an episode or so. Still, I apologize that I did not leave that romance up to episode four of Robotech and Macross. I mean, that's fine. It's two teenagers yeah. in the anime. There's, there's going to be, it's going to happen. You're right. There's going to be romantic tension a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's it's cute. Uh, interesting romantic tension, as always, because Minmay is a little bit of a weirdo. What did you think of of like that romance in this episode? Some parts it was very cute, and some parts it was really weird. Like it was like that. I think I mentioned in the summary, like the part where they're just like sitting down with while the water rains down on them, and kind of just lay back and have fun. Yeah, I feel like yeah, I feel. Like, oh, oh, you're saying that's the cute part, not weird? Yes. No, okay. that's not weird at all. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, after that, when when he kind of tries to peek at her as she's showering, not cute. Yeah. Not, not cool, cute. dude. Not cool, dude. Not okay. Fokker has been been giving you the wrong lessons on woman's agency. Mm-mm. Yeah, we also, uh, you know, over over that course of, of fun adventures, hear some singing, which we'll get back to in our cross up. Will be the the two songs. I should mention that this is the like like a, a pretty big divergence, probably biggest in the episode in terms of like they're completely different songs, and also for the rest of of Robotech, they'll like whenever they we have um, Min May singing, it'll be like a completely original song for Robotech. So that'll be you know interesting to to see. You know, I mean, if you've been listening to this podcast, you've already heard it over the ending theme. Uh, Mamie will be excited to hear that for the first time once we get to like episode eleven or so. When I can't wait. Yeah, that they yeah, will be actually able to hear those full songs in the show for the first time. But yeah, what else stood out to you? What else stood out to me? Minmay, like she is the namesake of the episode, and it really mm-hmm. focuses on her. And you should really see a lot of ups and downs with her. Yeah, what what do you think? All right, let's just let's just get to it. It's just it's a focal point, is a gravity point of Minmay wanting to throw herself out the airlocks across. Does not happen in Robotech. Does does not happen in Robotech at all. She's kind of just oh no, she's because she's a lot more meek in, in Robotech, right? Hmm. Yeah, very very differential to to Rick. Is that a red flag? Uh, maybe it wasn't a, a red flag in the eighties. I wouldn't like it. Uh, I wouldn't like it. Like I, I would not be interested in a in furthering my relationship with that type of Minmay. Yeah, I do understand to some extent. If you put me like underneath a ship's hole where I was like starving to death for twelve days, I'd probably say some whack shit too. I'd be like, you know, fuck it, let's jump out of this airlock over over the course of twelve. That's a that's a long time to be in a very scary situation. Yeah, we don't and we don't know what their food situation was for some of it. Like they had that giant tuna, but it was just a head. Yeah. And, and they might have just been like starved and almost losing their minds. They ate some mice, maybe. Oh, they definitely ate some mice. I had a quick, uh, quick question about that, by the way, since you know Japanese stuff. Aren't like rat and mice like the same word in, in Japanese? I don't know. I, I know that the word uh, I think is Nezumi, but I think that's just for rats. Yeah, I guess I guess I don't know. Well, we'll Maybe we'll find out later. Maybe Tuna Talk. We'll talk about Tuna's relationships to rats and what comes back. But like really that whole conversation that happened there where like uh, Hikaru suggests, hey, we should have a, our own little wedding ceremony here. And Minmei is into it. And in the course of saying she's into it, like you can see the change in her eyes. And she just says, hey, let's fucking bail on this ship and freeze to death that's in space i guess that was, like that scene was kind of wild to me yeah like the changes she goes through just boom 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 he he wasn't too worried about it like he, he was kind of like listen i sense a kiss is upcoming and like I, a lot of people have been teenage boys who have been willing to let a lot slide especially in, in that situation well to get to but, get to that kiss yeah 
Yeah, but it, it, it is it is very funny. He's like, hey, Minde, you don't relax. You don't have to throw yourself out the airlock for us together. And then after he refuses, she calls him a coward, which is pretty funny. Very funny. But but he, he doesn't make some sense. He's like, hey, remember like two weeks ago, you were you like literally fell out of uh, the grip of my robot and we're falling down to earth and I caught you. And then we were just hanging out in space. Like we've been through some some shit before. We we got this. Yeah. So I think he's he's got he's making a little bit of sense. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Robotech Mimei just were like, yeah. Um, like, what, what was her exact objection again? Like, was she she went all uh, wild for a moment? Uh, she, I, I think the dialogue was not as wild. She, uh, she was just kind of like like despairing at the situation. Yeah, yeah, is really what it was. Like, oh, we're never gonna get out of this, Rick. What are we gonna do? Which I think is a pretty weak change. I don't, I don't quite quite like that one. Because I, I think the, the original thing is a like really interesting moment for her, especially the way she goes kind of topsy-turvy. Uh, especially because, you know, for the ending of the episode, I, I think it's supposed to be we're, that we're on Hikaru's side, that she is doing a 180. So She did a 180 like four times Yeah, there it, in like a span of two minutes. Exactly. And you lose that in Robotech because she's not really doing as much of a 180 there. Um, she's just kind of just being generally upset, which is more reasonable. And and Macross, you know, going like, we 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 should we should just throw ourselves off the airlock, you coward. Okay, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean that. Let's, Let's have kiss. our wedding. Yeah. yeah. So you lose, you lose that kind of bit of her character. Although there are still some other good Robotech Minmay moments. I really like when she goes up to the like the reflection and, and with like her sleeves hanging out. She's like. I am the no-handed monster. Blah. I think it's really cute. The creature without any hands. That's very cute. That's a good, cute Robotech moment. Minmay did a lot of things. What else did she do? She had a weird gag that I didn't quite get in in Macross. The Chinatown thing? The Chinatown thing. Oh, fuck. I wanted to go back and take a Uh, look at that, and I completely forgot. Like, Hikaru is, is like, oh, you must have learned how to cook at your aunt's Chinese restaurant. And she says, no, I don't, I don't worry. I'm just hanging out there for a little bit. And then she says, I live at this totally different Chinese restaurant. Yeah, I think that's a joke. That's, that... that's a joke, but is it a joke? I don't <laughs> think she thought it was a joke. Like, I mean, to us, it's it's, it's a joke. But you should, yeah, Min Mei, I think, doesn't quite understand why that's weird. Yeah, but Hikaru does give her a look like, hey, what, what's going on here? What are you talking about? In Robotech, she just talks about being an actress, right? Yes. Performer, I think she, she might have said performer. Something, something like that. Like, oh, uh, dance, acting, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and really, I, I cannot stress again how how funny that pilot suit scenario with the giant fish is. In in Japanese, you know, they, they shout it like sashimi, uh, and very cutely, they both yell out. When they, they see, like, they walk by, you know, as you mentioned, the giant tuna outside in space, and they just both start yelling in Robotech. Tuna! Yeah! Yeah! Tuna fish. Oh, man. I, I was I was giggling at that. I was just giggling. <laughs> cute, cute uh, part of that episode. Two characters getting their relationship closer. A lot of fun hijinks. Uh, it's pretty easy to make a short summary there, unless you have anything to add about by them in particular. Uh, nothing really. Like there's just kind of like a few differences that I noted. I don't know if you want to. Yeah, uh, you like, can shout them out real quick. Go ahead. Like uh, in in Robotech, we get a lot more of the narrator explaining the situation. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yes, I specifically noted that at the end, the Robotech narrator sounded like a PSA that Rick was the main character of. Rick was exhausted from his ordeal and shocked at seeing the city on board the ship. And he was confused by Min May's attitude towards him. She seemed so distant now. Below, things had been very different. Rick will be forced to make many adjustments in the months ahead. (laughs) 
Yeah, but he, he chimes in like three t- times in, in the middle of the episode also. It's, it's if you're getting bored. You know, the narrator has to tell you, like, listen, they're still trapped down there and it sucks. They're still trapped. It's been two weeks. Captain, he, he doesn't express any guilt in, in Macross, I think, because he's pretty guilty in Robotech. Yeah, yeah. He, he says, like, how could I have been so stupid? All those lives lost and property destroyed. How could I have been so stupid? Yeah, he, he feels it. And you know what's sad is he actually, he got 20,000 more people out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a big change. That's one of my notes here. In Macross, it's 50,000 people. In Robotech, it's 70,000 people. Beta Bruno losing once again. He can't stop taking those L's compared to, to Giga Chad Henry. How many people were on those carriers? Jeez. Like, I know big carriers can carry like 5,000 people, but that's, that's still. in aircraft, which are more valuable than human lives. Another little change is uh, when Hikaru looks at the giant people airlock. Mm-hmm. He has a flashback and sees the giant alien guy. Rick does not. He just looks at the door and he's like, oh, that's a big door. I told you, Rick has completely forgotten his trauma. He's just less traumatized than Hikaru is. <laughs> that that uh, plane got him completely out of that funk. Even, even though he's like in a traumatic situation now, he still keeps looking at that plane and being like, yeah, my plane's cool. Except when Min Mei scratches it. Oh, man, he was totally pissed about that. <laughs> She's just trying to mark the days. And that's the best place, spot because that's where they're going to make their little tent. And he's like, that's, that's a new paint job. Yeah. Uh, what else? I have on my notes here, Junior Nature Scout. That that whole bit was weird. I didn't like that bit in, in Robotech. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. He, he talks about being a Junior Nature talks Scout. About, and how he's going to find his way out in day two, cut to like 10 days later, yeah. and he still hasn't found a way out. Yeah. So it sounds like we've kind of scraped, scraped this, ep- this part of the episode. Yeah. That's all we got. I mean, the only other part is just the, the bridge stuff. Uh, I, I mentioned, you know, Beta Bruno, the big Beta Bruno moment we have this episode is the conversation that changed. It was funny is that I was watching Macross and I was seeing Bruno get yelled at. And I was, I was hoping I was praying that, Oh, I hope in Robotech Henry is on the complete opposite end of this. And he's like yelling at him back. And I was right. He totally was. He, he put his foot down. Yes. Beta Bruno get, gets owned again. Do we have a good nickname for Henry? That's like alliteration. What's I guess hothead Henry works, but. Yeah, it does not carry the, the same connotation. Just hot Henry. Hot Henry. <laughs> hot Henry. Yeah, he's smoking. Uh, they call him, uh, Claudia calls him a hothead. Uh, yeah, she does. A, she's also still pissed about him deciding <laughs> to do the fold thing. Do you remember? Did you catch that? Yeah, yeah, at the coffee break. She's, yeah. she's like, you know, shouldn't have fucking folded. Shouldn't have done it. I, I said he shouldn't have done it, but he did it. Uh, yeah, see. Uh, oh, do you know specifically in, in Macross, they, they call him a blockhead versus a hothead? That was yes. funny. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the, that describes it. Blockhead Bruno, hothead Henry. I like that, you know, the dialogue during the coffee break was like weirdly naturalistic. Did, did you also have that opinion? Uh, I, I think it was more natural in Robotech. Yeah, uh, that, that, that's what I meant. Sorry, did yes. I say Macross? Yeah, uh, I, I think you didn't specify. Of course, yeah. In Robotech, uh, the coffee break, extremely just like chill vibes. Like they get up, they even like kind of have the, the mouth noises a little bit with like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Let's go. Let's get this coffee. Oh, geez. Some coffee break, huh? Like that sort of thing. Hey, you guys. The coffee's ready. Oh, uh, good. Oh. Mm, I could really use a cup. I can't believe what a mess we've got ourselves in. 
Hmm. Yeah, which I think is not intentional. I think it's because they're trying to match lip lip flaps. But it but it really worked. It really yeah. worked. I, I, I was taken aback. I was like, damn, I'm I'm really here on this ship. And they had like a little seating area in the back of the bridge. <laughs> they can just chill. That's pretty cool <laughs> for two minute coffee breaks. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out again to those those cool teacup mug things. I'm looking here at the scene. What do you think the different uniforms are? Because Lisa here has a like a light blue uniform, but Claudia has a, the dark green. I only respond to pips. In terms of command structure, oh, any other and, uniform pips, thing. Pips and corn, little pieces of corn stuck yeah. on the collar. I, I had a friend ask me if I had to get a Star Trek tattoo, what would I get? And I said I'd get a command pip. Wow. Just one? Just one? Yeah. Just one? yeah. I, I, don't, I don't want a tattoo. Wow. Be... Ensign Shane. Ensign Shane. <laughs> uh, like, I would be at least Lieutenant Commander Manny over here. I, I just don't. They sound painful. And you don't know, like respect everyone who has a tattoo. I just don't really, really care for one. So I just uh, want yeah. to, I don't want to poke and I want to be done with. Your, your body's a temple, just a little, little bit in and out. Yeah. Let's see. Oh yeah. One, one other, I guess, I guess the main thing left to do is to talk about the ending and how ridiculous it is that over the course of 12 days, you were saying last episode, how ridiculous it was that these scavengers had took, taken in 50, I don't think we had a number, but you know, we taken in like thousands of people from this island up into the ship, like how much yeah. manpower that would do. And you thought that was wild. And now this episode, they said they did that. And not only did they do that, they took in literally the entire infrastructure of the island and arranged it perfectly inside this military ship to look and feel and work just exactly like the city did. It is infuriating <laughs> that we did not see that. Instead, we were stuck with, with Rick and Minmay messing around with pipes and, and tubes and tuna heads instead of seeing like the good nitty gritty of how do they bring this town in? They do the piece by piece. Are there, are there like, is the town arranged differently now? Like, did they bring in city block by city block and like, oh, like the northern one is in the south now? Oh, oh well, what's going on? It's so funny. I I also want to see the logistical nightmare uh, that that would go into making this. Someone should make that OVA. Macau's a big franchise. You could do it. They they could uh, uh just give me a give me an isekai light novel. Somebody. Somebody isekai into Robotech and he's helping them move the town around with isekai powers. I think also at the end, the Macross narrator just kind of says like, yeah, Rick's kind of wondering why Minmay is just kind of being a weirdo, huh? Yeah, very judgy narrator. But he's right, though. He's right. Minmay is a little weird. The more I I watch the show, the more I think, yeah, I know. I know people like Minmay. Do you you know anyone that reminds you of Minmay? I think my buddy Lunchbox might remind (laughs) me of of Minmay. And I've told you some Lunchbox stories. Do you have any good Lunchbox stories that would be a good fit for the podcast? I mean, I'm just going to say what happened uh, last time. Just that he sold a couch to uh, another buddy, Daniel, mm-hmm. of mine. And after the transaction was completed and he had agreed to help move the couch, he called me and said, hey, I'll pay you 20 bucks if you help me move this couch because I'm too lazy. <laughs> Minmay would do that. Minmay would do that. Minmay, Minmay would... would give me 20 bucks to move the couch that she she agreed to move. And, and you you would love it. I mean, uh, I'm getting 20 bucks out of this deal, so I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and yeah, Minmay is the sort of person to, to do those sort of things. Be like, oh, Patui. And and you'd be like, aha, Min May, you're so funny. Like Same I could lunchbox. just I could just imagine lunchbox going in with a big big old jacket with his <laughs> with his hand sleeves, like no hands sticking out of the sleeves and then messing around. Look at me, no hands lunchbox. Thank you for that wonderful lunchbox story. Oh man, that's gonna be the new bit, lunchbox stories. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of good bit ideas. Um, do you think that lunchbox sings better than uh Robotech's Lin Min May? Uh no. I I have played 
hours and hours of rock band with Lunchbox. And I can tell mm -hmm. you, he does not sing even in prayer for the refugee all that well. That's a, that's a Rise Against song yeah. for, for all the rock band heads out there. Mm. I learned that uh, one of the Megadeth guys did some work on like a, a he was the supervisor for a jojo's bizarre adventure like how to learn english guidebook what what, yeah. did, he, what did he do what did he supervise well he's uh I, I guess well he speaks like japanese and english pretty well from, oh, okay. from the video Good i saw him, so I, I guess that was a part of it and he also like the the marketing arm apparently he does like a lot of weeb stuff uh he's been in japan since like 2003 i think it's like friedman his last name if you know anything about megadeth I, I just saw it. Like I was looking at the Jojo wiki and saw that. I was like, Oh, that's weird. That is weird. Yeah. So you're really not into Robotech Min Mei singing, huh? Uh, no. Yeah. You're right. I completely forgot my, your point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> bringing you back here. Uh, I didn't think it was that bad, but I, also I think that the Macross Min Mei is, is vastly superior. Yeah. I think, you know, also this is a song that lasts 30 seconds um, to any of you that, I've listened to our ending song. You'll see English Lin, uh, Lindman may hit some high highs. She does not do so great at um, that. Will be Domaini's ears a little bit later. Uh, uh, she's like a little shaky. She can't hold her. Oh, they're a little. They're a little shaky. <laughs> yeah, she's mostly fine here. It is a very big difference. Apparently, she's not uh, as they say on those like singing talent shows. Like when they want to say that someone sucks at singing, they'll, they'll, they'll say like, yeah, he's not like classically trained is the word that they'll use to say that someone isn't a singer. I personally am very unclassically trained. I have a terrible singing voice. Oh, my singing voice is the one you're hearing right now. So I'm yeah. not one to speak. Yeah. Um, quick cross up for the baby versions. These are not the real versions of the two songs that we mentioned in Macross. It is called Cinderella. Good In a Robotech, it is called To Be in Love. Manny, what song did you think was better? Uh, Cinderella, for sure. Totally. Like, I, I didn't, I'm not going to get too much into the lyrics because they're really too simple, too little, too tiny bits of the, of the songs, but just listening to them, totally. Give me, give me Cinderella. I know what Cinderella's about. She's got those glass slippers. She does the running thing and then one of the slippers falls out. That's, that's all I need to know. I'm there. Let's go. Yeah. The Robotech song was also pretty simple. I kind of like the bit about rhyming June. June's a cool month. It's my birth month. Uh, what was the thing about? 13 Junes in a year. Do, do you understand that? Nope, not at all. That'd be cool for me. I get so many birthdays and yeah, you'd be really old really quick though. Yeah. That, that, that's what would be sad about it, but I'd have so many presents so quickly. I'd have so many SDF mugs around my apartment from you. Would, you, would it just be the same mug over and over? <laughs> like I, I'm just, I'm just going to buy a 12 pack and send you one each time. 
it's like like a stormtrooper toy you know you'd want you like you want like a bunch of them because they're like an army are there, are there, are there going to be slightly different ones there's going to be uh the stormtrooper that you get in in return of the jedi and then there's like uh what are those guys called there's like the the red stormtroopers is it gonna be like that you're gonna have slightly different cups I think it's just like the palace guard for the red stormtroopers, but are, are they guys like next to Palpa, Palpatine? Th- those are like the, the, like the, the big Sith, Sith guard guys, but there's yeah. also like just red stormtroopers at some point. No, yeah, maybe they, they got dipped in ketchup. You can buy those SDF mugs for $16 on Amazon. They're titled SDF one incorrectly. There's a hyphen between D and F a Robotech coffee mug, Macross super dimensional fortress coffee mug, Robotech Macross saga. Is, is it prime shipping? What are we getting here? What are we talking about? It's not prime shipping. Oh, no deal. From, yeah, from Nisala Beerus. Is that, a, is that a place or is that this it's a company? It's a company, I think. This became a weird advertisement for them. But if you can, don't support Amazon. That's yep. all I got. Yep. If if you can, do not support Amazon. Make your own SDF1 cup and mail it to me and I will not pay you. I, I might because I still owe you a birthday present. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you want to make me a mug and then pay me as my birthday <laughs> present, that'd be really cool. All right, yeah. So that's that's basically the cross up. We'll hear some more singing from from London May's voice actor, suit enough, which I am excited uh, for. Just a little tidbit here in yeah. the Macross dub, they uh, the English dub, they just use the Japanese song like this. They just cut and paste the original Japanese song, put it in, into English Min May's lips, even though it's the same voice actor. Yeah, that's that's our cross up. A little bit of a coughing giant tower that keeps you in versus a um, a very strong nuclear fly. I don't understand the reference, but okay. It's called, you know, coughing baby versus hydrogen bomb. I don't know what that is. What are you talking about? It's it's like people say like, oh, there's a big gap between one thing and another. It's like putting a, a coughing baby, which is not very strong, famously, versus a hydrogen bomb, which is quite strong. Uh, not many things are strong compared to a hydrogen bomb, though. Okay, well, that's that's kind of the the thing is that you know, especially a coughing baby is is, is very weak compared. It's like not even it's not even close to a fair fight, you know. What, what like, if the baby wasn't coughing? Would that make it better? I mean, like a little bit, maybe. You know, it's like a few extra moments for for the baby to to like crawl out of the way of the radiation. I suppose. All right. Yeah, yeah. You know, like a little bit less like lung deterioration might happen. Just like like uh, they're, they're like barefoot again. Is that the one that like You're, I was I was didn't want to <laughs> mention barefoot again. Because, you know, I, it's, it's a sad tale. You're really bringing this podcast down, yeah. buddy. Sorry. Uh, I could mention the the other sad kids at, at post-nuclear war thing. Um, the, the Ghibli movie. What is that one? Uh, Grave uh, of the Fireflies? Yeah, Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah, there's no, like, horrible nuclear scene coming down. I mean, that, that scene's so fucked up in Barefoot Again. Oh, man. I don't even want to think about it. It's brutal. Uh, great movie, though. Uh, yes, fantastic movie. Uh, Depressing-ass movie. Indeed. Uh, well, that's mostly been the podcast. Thank you so much for everyone for watching. Another great time with with Manny. And you know what? I'll just a little bit of self love. I had some great times with myself too. Reading my own notes, I was just laughing, having a good time, thinking, man, I can't wait to share all these uh, with Manny and the audience in that order. In that order. Yeah. Any final thoughts, comments, opinions, Manny? Uh, yeah, that's that was a that was a big ass tuna head. Hmm, that was a big fucking tuna, dude. How did that tuna get so big? I don't know. But e- even on our tuna talk, we did not answer the pivotal question of how did that tuna get so big? A Zentradi tuna, maybe. Yeah, like it would be a normal-sized fish to them. 
do you think like one of the Zentradi guys just brought like a Zentradi tuna like in his battle pod? He just like like as a snack, like a full size tuna. Maybe the tuna was piloting the the battle pod. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that'd, that'd be sick. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, then, but then he tragically he was like playing dead, and then he tragically died. That's so sad. Rip. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. And remember our call off. I love you. You love me. I love you, but will you love me tomorrow? Do you remember Robotech is hosted by me, Shane, and my good friend, Manny. The intro music is arranged by me, sampling the Macross opening, a Robotech commercial, and Lifelike by Alexi Action. The podcast art is arranged by Manny, with the logo in particular made by Glory Designs. Our ending music is a mashup of My Boyfriend is a Pilot and My Time to be a Star, arranged by Joshua Collins.